Religiosanity, episode 54. Good. Back with Pastor Andrew. Fine. This is uh, going to be a little different today, I think. I think that um, what we're going to do is, uh, I, I, have, I just have a bunch of questions sure. for you. So bring them And we're, we're going to try and have you answer them. And yeah. we'll try and, you know, we're not, we're not going to hover around one unless, they're, unless it's something that we can really mine through. Yep. What do you think of this? No, I, I like it. I like, I like this because I'm the one that's going to edit this, and so therefore <laughs> you're you're not going to. So I like this. If it was the other way around, I would be uh, worried. Uh, Should I be worried? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but my first question. So yeah, there's a word that I have heard, and then I looked up the definition a, a while ago, and I still don't understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and I've and I've heard. I think you've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, a philosopher that was here at Rutgers Church once that I uh, followed since then talks about it a lot, John Caputo. The word is hermeneutics. Yes. What on earth is that? That's uh, etymologically, you know, like going where it came from. It's uh, derived from the uh, Greek god Hermes. Oh. And uh, Hermes was a messenger of gods. Uh, he was a patron of thieves and other things as well. But uh, being a messenger is why he is behind this word. Uh, a messenger of gods. And hermeneutics is an, um, a philosophical and linguistic discipline or theological discipline trying to... Uh, carry the, the old text or old message into a new context or oh. new time. Uh, you know, because when you look at uh, biblical texts or ancient texts, or uh, and you are dealing with uh, something written two, two and a half, sometimes more, thousand years ago and you try to interpret that as something important for us today, then how do you do that? How you interpret that? How you bridge that big gap of time? Or how you bridge the big gap of cultures? Uh, I think that some of uh, hermeneutics came when uh, European cultures met with uh, uh, Far East Asian countries like Chinese and Japanese, uh, and that became a problem because, uh, you know, their languages and their cultural background is so different from ours uh, in uh, European culture and American culture as well, uh, that there is this need for broader interpretation. and that is actually very, very interesting uh, f- from, from the perspective of, of church, uh, preaching, uh, missionary work, you know, spreading the gospel, translating it. You know, how, how do you going to translate uh, to, say, Inuits mm-hmm. uh, 
a text from Middle East, where you have deserts. Uh, yes, you have like frozen deserts <laughs> in Alaska or you know Siberia and, and so on, but those are completely different. Yeah. And, and how then to interpret uh, these? Uh, they are living in huts, they, or they, they were cultures living in, in, in tents. Uh, migratory and, and and you have description of uh, Middle Eastern houses uh, and and so on and so forth so that is uh, a real problem you know I, I'm interested in Hawaiian culture and for instance that's relatively close conundrum which uh, missionaries to Hawaii were faced with and that was you know how to interpret uh, how to translate and looking backwards from our perspective we see how many mistakes they did uh, by doing it because they they were not reflecting about this when they were doing it they, they, they learned Hawaiian language, uh, they, they knew their own, they knew the classical languages, and so they translated the Bible. Uh, and then when they started to form the local church, they, uh, they brought more or less uh, identical cultural background from uh, New England, mostly Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, and tried to transplant that into Hawaiian culture uh, in, in 19th century. You know, their cultural norms and, and so on. And that, that is a perfect example of that. Another example of that is, for instance, uh, what we call communion or holy communion mm -hmm. or Eucharist. Uh, because there are some funny stuff, uh, because uh, this hermeneutics is not only about texts, for instance, rituals. but with, with, with rituals or practices uh, based upon texts. Uh -huh. and, and so, for instance, uh, you, you, you know, as the Christianity was spreading, uh, uh, they were migrating into further, further north in Europe, and the culture of growing wine, for instance, was not there. And, and so monasteries were spreading viticulture, you know, the, the, the keeping of vineyards and, and, and producing wine uh, simply by necessity, because that was such an pivotal part of uh, Eucharist, the wine. Bread was all right, you know, everyone had grain, but, but wine. And, and, and it went into such a crazy situations, you know, that they were growing eventually uh, vineyards uh, in Sweden or in Scotland, <laughs> in these places, you know, so that's, uh, that, that, that's an, another example of that, you know, how much and how you actually take it and translate it into uh, different cultures. And, uh, and that, that brings up the question then, other aspects of society, we don't spend so much time trying to translate reconnect those things to our current life. They are archaic. They are done with. We, 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 pick, we pick something new. We, we make something new in our... Why... With, in it, with progressive people, why are we even trying to connect to this and not just trying to make something new? I, I think that there might be uh, a certain conservativeness uh, present in it, as, as, as progressive as, as uh, my outlook is, or the outlook of my church here uh, is. Uh, 
we, we still like to stay with some traditions. That's one thing. The, the other thing is that uh, we cannot simply completely cut off ourselves from our roots. Those are our roots and, and we want to be faithful to them. Like you cannot completely, uh, you know, you, you can be divorced or uh, from, from your family. You know, your family can uh, separate from you or you can be separated from the family or you can uh, disown them or uh, something like that. Uh, you can be put for adoption, but you still carry uh, their genes. Uh, mm. you, you still are at least partly uh, who they were. And, uh, what about if they were abusive, though? But still, knowing who they were, and, yeah, and why is, is important. <laughs> I, I know it from medicine. You, you know, taking family histories is an important part uh, of, of uh, first... Uh, um, when, when the doctor sees you uh, for the first time, uh, they will definitely ask about the family history. You know, uh, grandma, grandpa on both sides, uh, parents, uh, are they still alive? What are they suffering from, uh, you know, if they died, what they died of, uh, and these kind of things. That's, that's very important, uh, uh, even on this very, very superficial level. If, if you can go deeper, it's, of course, even better. So that's, that's biology. I think that similarly, uh, it, it goes into family structures and, and behavior patterns and, and so on. So that's uh, within the families. And, and culturally, that is a similar thing. I think that we need to know where we came from. Being completely uprooted uh, can lead into substantial problems. And um, th that's... Uh, that's one thing, one observation I want to offer as, uh, for, on, uh, for defense of this, uh, of keeping some of the traditions and trying to interpret them. And the other the observation is that uh, modern kind of sociology slash biology came up with that uh, uh, neo-Darwinistic concept of memes. And that is uh, the culturally defined practices or something which are similarly spreading and evolving in a in a society mm -hmm. and when you look at different things uh, in in our society you will see that they are they actually harken back into old practices so you can trace for instance uh, one example would be a development of military uniforms you know, all the way from the ancient Greeks mm -hmm. till today's modern uniforms. And, and you can see certain features evolving, developing, shaping itself, being completely abandoned, say, some of them. But some of them carrying all the way through a modern era. So it is present. Uh, and the, yeah. you, you cannot completely cut yourself off uh, from, from the past and, and think that you will uh, create something completely new and uh, uh, in, unconnected with, right. with, with the past. So it's better to know about it 
and and work on it. Mm-hmm. Even and, Jesus, even Jesus uh, didn't start something new without connecting to the old. Oh, Jesus was not starting anything new. Some people might say uh, Apostle Paul was the one who who, who set out uh, to create. Yes and no. He was drawing very deeply from the Hebrew Bible tradition. Mm-hmm. You, you can see it all the way. He was giving it a new shape, new form. He was, he was reinterpreting it. He was doing hermeneutics, mm. you know, in his own time. He mm-hmm. was taking the uh, old uh, traditions and reshaping them mm-hmm. to a changing context. Right. And... Uh, adjusting them uh, with the impulse which he associated with Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, but... Uh, Wait, in, in that same vein then, it, 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 can this be taken too far where, 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 where like there's, there's this constant attempt to try and find Jesus' references in the Old Testament and, and every time you see something, it's it, the connection of stuff in Isaiah or whatever to Jesus, mm-hmm. like is that taking hermeneutics too far, or is that or is that even hermeneutics? Is that some other kind of thing where everything is being mentioned? You're trying relating it to this. Uh, that that would be called more like an exegesis, uh. like understand and uh, interpret the text theologically. While over here, uh. it is more. Uh, trying to, in hermeneutics, you're trying to understand the, the text in its own context and then translate it into a modern time. I see. I you see. know, or in our current time. While with exegesis, you're trying to understand it with certain uh, pre-understandings of the theology, say. Okay. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so that would be typological uh, exegesis, for instance, mm-hmm. that, uh, of early church. It is going really back da- down to, uh, to Paul, uh, which is our earliest writer in, in the New Testament. Uh, and, and, you know, he is making some of these uh, typological conversions uh, very early on. But... Uh, you know, it, it, it has serious consequences. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 when, when you think about what, what, what happened, uh, say, in mission field in 19th century, where, where people were really forced into accepting Christianity with all its uh, uh, Euro-American cultural baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, of dress code and uh, you know sexuality, sexual morals, and and, and so on and so on. ownership, all, all you know that 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 was very harmful for uh, many cultures around the world, and and did and very ill uh, service to to Christianity itself. Because now, you know, you are reading some of those statements they made and, and you cannot cringe more, yeah. you, you know, uh, because it's, it's so, you know, out of context. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they brought their uh, 
saving sewing machines, for instance, you know, Singer <laughs> sewing machines, yeah. and they, they almost uh, uh, view them as a saving machines for, for uh, Hawaiian culture, because they, they, they started to dress them uh, according to a Victorian. Uh, and, and can you imagine, you know, uh, uh, I'm there in, in short sleeves and, and shorts, and, and, and you see, uh, you know, Europeans running there in uh, in swimsuits, mm -hmm. and uh, better part of 19th century was spent by those missionaries trying to dress them from the neck to an ankle. Wow. Uh, it's it's in just, Hawaii, no less. You know. Yeah, or in in any tropics, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. go to Africa or yeah. uh, Latin America, you know, and it does not mean that occasionally it is justified because uh, surprisingly, you know, nights can be very cold, mm -hmm. depending on uh, on the uh, on the height from the sea level. Uh, that that's another part of it, mm -hmm. but uh, generally simply forcing people into adopting these uh, these customs and traditions is, uh, is is just painful and and how insistent they were on it for instance mm -hmm. and and that's where the like the broader hermeneutics come in because some of these things are just ephemeral you you need to recognize that, that that's our own cultural baggage we put on it that mm -hmm. has nothing to do whatsoever with the new testament or old testament right. or uh, you know ancient texts uh, those are uh, we, we we are not trying to recreate an iron age palestine <laughs> in europe or in america or in any other place simply because we we cannot do that mm -hmm. So why we are insisting on bringing European 19th century or say now 20th century along with us uh, and, and our morals and our understanding and, and imposing it on, on them instead of working with their context in which they live and, and try to humanize it or the, and infuse with the message of, mm -hmm. of Jesus, say, or of apostles, or uh, uh, of, of our faith. In the last couple of weeks, your sermons have been about Exodus, and often you have said something similar to, this didn't happen, it's always happening. Mm -hmm. Part of the idea of being a Christian is to be Christ-like, mm -hmm. or, or, or to aspire to be Christ-like. Yeah. How can you encourage that, and at the same time say, this is not something that happened in history, or not all of it happened in history. It's happening on another level all the time. Be moved by it. Let it move you. Let let Christ be within you. Somehow, to me, that's hard to do uh, because it's like trying to grab on to 
something in the air rather than the power of it having happened. The, the power of it have, having transcended physics, you know, the idea of, of the actual resurrection. And now, of course, when I'm, I preface this by saying you were talking about Exodus, but I'm assuming that this goes for stuff that happened in the New Testament to you. You know, I'm just saying, how do you expect that kind of change happening in someone's life that Christianity is supposed to do if the message is that it's, it's happening on this other realm all the time? So uh, you are absolutely right, Peter, when you said that I, I, I said it about uh, Book of Exodus. That's one thing. Uh, I would be probably a little more judicious uh, and uh, pay closer attention where or how I apply that for a New Testament. Mm. Uh, here we are talking about Exodus as described in the Book of Exodus. That's yeah. another part uh, where I use that. Uh, I, I did not come up with this quotation. It's a quotation from Salustius. It's a Hellenistic definition or, you know, ancient definition of myth. Uh, that it never happened and is happening all the time. Mm -hmm. you know, or it's, uh, mm -hmm. These are the things which never happened but are happening. Yeah. Okay, uh, that, that's a very free quotation from yeah. that part. Uh, yes, so uh, you, you, you have, uh, and I say there are uh, situations where there are historical kernels or something like that, but then there are these stories. Aren't you moved, for instance, substantially by, uh, by a piece of art, by a film? which can be completely fictitious or predominantly fictitious if it is based on, on some historical event. But, you know, we, we did not have cameras there. It's not documentary. Uh, so, you know, that, that'll be one answer. Yeah. We are moved by it, aren't we? Uh, so, uh, that's, that's one thing. You know, you always need to take in the role of, I would use the word tradents, those who are passing on uh -huh. tradition uh, or the witnesses. You barely any time go and witness it with your own eyes. And as soon as you are telling it to someone else, you are already yourself witness and you are bringing into it your own interpretations, your own observations, uh, your best intentions, one would assume, mm -hmm. you know. So you are playing a role in it already. And that story is now becoming more and more detached from the original, what really happened and how it happened. That is the difference between photography say, and painting. And believe me, there are situations where painting is absolutely more truthful to, you know, your inner view of the things. 
than photography. And even if I'm a photographer, even the way you frame, for instance, what you leave out, what you focus on, what is the plane of sharpness, mm-hmm. all of that plays a role. And that's why even photography is to some degree an art where you need to master techniques, but then use those techniques to express your feeling about things. So to large extent, it's an art. And in that way, I will look at the stories of the Bible and even stories about Jesus with that caveat, which I said that there are different levels of historicity there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not disputing and discussing that Jesus was a historical figure. But what we have in Gospels, for instance, is not historical Jesus himself. It's a testimony of those mm-hmm. who saw him or heard about him from someone who saw him and they wrote it down. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the first level. And now my other answer to that is, you know, how could I be moved by or how can I trust that or take it seriously if it is not real? Or have it transform me. Yeah, or transform me. Uh, Here I'll use another completely different discipline of human uh, intellectual endeavor, and that will be mathematics. To some degree, I like comparing theology or philosophy to mathematics because mathematics is also an human construct. Mm. But just look how powerful potential and it is in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. It helps us to, to live, to construct to build, to invent, uh, to understand the world. And at the same time, you know, show me one, show me 134. You cannot show it to me because it's, it's our human in our brains and in our languages captured images, you know, or constructs. And uh, and yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. they correspond to something in the world. In mathematics, it's strictly logical and, or relatively strictly logical mm-hmm. and, and with a strict discipline. So it is replicable and, uh, and predictable to a large extent and agreed upon among those who are following certain school, mathematical schools or geometrical schools. And, and in a similar way, it is religion with the realm of, of religion and, and so on, where it is maybe a little less, it's more artsy. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is a little bit less logical, but there are areas of logic and, and I think that it has a similar power of moving us. And, you know, 
generally I would say that emotions are more involved with art or with theology or with philosophy than with mathematics. But, you know, if I say that, I, I just hear some of my mathematical friends who would say, but there is beauty in it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they would apply uh, emotions to, to proofs and, uh, and formulas. In, in a similar way, we talk about theology. So uh, I, I would say the theology and, 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 and religion is an attempt to, to, to describe the broadness of the world with this code of references, mm -hmm. which we inherited from those who preceded us, who worked diligently on it for many, many generations. And we are just carrying it further forward and working on it in our own way. And here we are returning partly back to that hermeneutics question, if you noticed. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and interestingly, mathematicians would say the same thing. You know, they inherited the system from those who preceded them from Pythagoreans right. and, and so on, you know, and, right. and they are building upon it and, and they right, branching right. it uh, to different, and it does not necessarily mean that they are, and that is, for, for instance, where my approach towards the ecumenism and mutual understanding of different religions and, you know, multi-faith even comes in place because these things are not necessarily contradictory. They yeah. might have different ways of understanding or approaching certain problems. For certain areas, certain disciplines, theological or religious disciplines might be better suited. But they does not necessarily disprove each other. Like in mathematics, or geometry, you know, you have more elegant ways of dealing with a problem, but it does not mean that it cannot be solved some other way, which perhaps no one thought of before, yeah. you know, or yeah. within your own culture, and and so on. So. Uh, you know, that would be my answer to, to, to your question. And uh, in the end, uh, it's all anyhow what I am saying to you, yes. <laughs> most, most deeply rooted uh, from my own personal experience and testimony, Yes. a witness. Yes. Or what another, you know, an elder in the congregation is telling and sharing. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that we uh, I, I, I like that answer because what we often don't what we often leave out of these equations is the is the influence of the elders on the actual DNA of yes. the of the approach to to theology mm -hmm. and how that changes it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that changes it and it and it dilutes it. It means that it adds yeah. to it in a very similar way to what you're saying about mathematics. Well, this 
is a good place to end. There's a lot more questions, but I think that this had this has a wholeness, a wholeness yeah, to it, it. It belongs together. <laughs> belongs yeah. together. Thank you, Peter. It it was my joy, and uh, you know we'll see what comes next. Yes. Until next time. Thank you.